Welcome to Nomcast, where we take a deep dive into your food and splash around to see what we can find. I'm your host, Alice Seslavsky. And today, we're kicking off our special three-part series on all the weird, wonderful and warm-hearted connections we can find between food and mood. So lace up your runners and clean the gunk from your smoothie makers because part one is about how and why humans get up and move and what this can mean for how we think and feel. But as always, before we get into it, I want to ask everyone to check if their brains are switched on and fully charged because there'll be a quiz at the end. Now, let's start with something that might seem obvious. You can't be happy or cranky or just a bit meh unless you have a brain. Why do we even have brains in the first place? After all, lots of living things do just fine without them. Take the sea squirt, for example. It's a floppy, potato-shaped tube that starts out with a simple brain and a little spinal cord to help it swim about and test the water. Then, once it's found a perfect rock in a cool, shallow place, it grabs on, gets itself comfy, and eats its own brain! The thinking part of its life is over, because all that sea squirt needs to do now is spend the rest of its life with its tubular mouth wide open, just snacking on plankton as it floats by. I learned about these sea squirts from a gut scientist named Julia Enders. She talks about the idea that the human brain evolved into what it is because it gets us moving. We use it to keep moving and sensing until we feel happy and safe. From cold rooms to warm ones from cities to forests and back again, from the sharp gravel at the beach car park to the hot sand into the cool sea where we might snorkel past some sea squirts. Hello. From the dinner table to the couch for some strawberries and cream. Our brains are always on the lookout for that happy place where we can stop and feel just good. A bit like a baby sea squirt that's found its perfect rock. And research shows that ever since we were little babies screaming for milk, and feeling those very first hangry feelings, our brains have associated happiness with eating well. Not just because good meals are tasty and nourishing, Mm. but because we actually have a kind of second brain. As in, the incredible neurotransmitters that make our brains work also live in one other part of our body, our guts. That's because our clever digestive system does all these really complex, amazing things like break up food, sort through the nutrients and send the energy to the parts of our bodies that need it most. Most of the time, our gut brain gets by just fine thinking and sorting things out for itself. But sometimes it needs the neurotransmitters to reach out to our head brains and have a serious chat. Say you're worried about an argument you just had with your bestie or you're freaking out because you have to give a presentation in front of the whole class. Your head brain will borrow extra energy from your digestive system to help it work harder and handle the pressure, which is really useful when you need that extra boost to figure things out. Problem is, sometimes your gut still needs the energy for digestion and if you're too tense for too long or you're going through a super tough time, Your gut brain has to step in to tell your head brain, hang on, you can't keep using so much energy. I need it to figure out what to do with this sandwich. At that point, the gut brain sends a message to your head brain to feel sick or tired or just plain blah. The gut brain means well. It just wants you to slow down and chill. But what can end up happening is you first get hangry and snappy, then you can't concentrate on anything, 
Then you might stand up in front of the class for that presentation and feel like you're about to vomit. The other problem is your head brain can be a bit greedy. It can keep demanding that extra tummy-turning energy from your gut when it's not even the slightest bit useful. Like when you're trying to sleep or when you're just going about your day doing normal stuff. So how can we learn to make like the baby sea squirt and stress less? Hi, Sammy the sea squirt here. Do you sometimes have trouble relaxing? Do you get nervous in crowds? Do you often find it difficult to sit still and focus? Then join me for Sea Squirt Secrets of the Deep, my new 10-part series that will equip you with the tools you need to reach into the untapped regions of your mind and eat your own brain. Just search for Sammy Sea Squirt wherever you get your audio content. And don't forget to use your Nomcast promo code to get 10% off your first subscription. One of the simplest and best ways to stress less is to get up and get moving. It wears us out so we can rest and repair properly during sleep, which means we wake up feeling better. And if we get up and keep up the exercise, then it'll help us tap into the feel-good chemicals in our brains called endorphins. You might be thinking, but wait a minute, running to catch the bus makes me feel sweaty and horrible. And this can be true, but the sad fact for couch dwellers is you have to exercise regularly or the mood-boosting effects don't work as well. Those endorphins won't fire for the very same reason your body can get tense and nauseous for seemingly no real reason. Our head brains and gut brains like to save energy by getting stuck in patterns. You have to work to change them. But the good news is that realising you're stuck is just about the best way to get moving again. We need to eat plants to get our brains firing and bodies moving. But plants don't need brains because they suck up energy from the sun through a process called photosynthesis. Photosynthesis converts the sun's energy into food for plants and the energy-rich substances we eat. And when we eat the plants, we help them move so they can get up and grow somewhere new. We tend to think we're smarter than plants, but they manage to travel all around the world without wasting energy on brain power. In fact, one of the reasons fruits like berries and cherries are so delicious and bright is because the colours attract birds and animals, which eat them and poop out the seeds all over the place. Sometimes, certain fruits and veggies can even double dip into the sun's energy. First through photosynthesis, Then we can sun-dry them, like raisins, apricots, prunes, and even papaya, transforming them into longer-lasting, energy-packed snacks. It's why lots of Tour de France cyclists eat raisin bread along with the bananas in their packs to help them ride over 100 kilometres a day during race time. And it's why the ancient Greeks and Romans used to award raisins to go with their olive wreaths as prizes at sporting events. They're a natural energy booster. Alexander the Great created one of the largest empires the ancient world had ever seen, stretching from Greece to northwestern India. His armies went on marches that lasted for years, and part of his military strategy was to keep his soldiers moving with help from sun-dried meats, prunes and figs. All through history, even when farmers have worked to harvest yummy fresh crops in the same place year in, year out, nothing would grow if it wasn't for the ultimate little movers. Bees. Bees really know how to get around. 
A hive of bees can fly the equivalent of three times around the world to produce just one kilo of honey. A bee goes from flower to flower collecting nectar and pollen. The pollen sticks to its body while it's there, and when it lands on the next flower, that flower gets pollinated. Once it's pollinated, the flower can make seeds so the crops can grow. And we can keep having avocado on our toast. Then the bee takes some nectar back to the hive to make honey for winter. Unless we get to it first. And all of this is possible because of the amazing things happening inside the bee's tiny little gut. Bees evolved from wasps that can only eat meat. They became vegetarians because a bee's gut has all sorts of bacteria living inside it that breaks pollen down and helps extract energy. We call these little gut bacteria things microbes. Bees have an impressive mob of microbes, but that's nothing compared to humans. The human gut hosts more than 1,000 types of bacteria. It's a whole forest of little microbes. Lots of these microbes need fruits and veggies to thrive. It's why endurance athletes like marathon runners and soccer players often eat prebiotic diets full of onions, leeks, asparagus, celery and Jerusalem artichokes to feed the stress-protective microbes in their guts. And in general, if we try to keep our microbes happy, it'll keep our gut brain happy, which means there's more energy for us to run and ride and climb and dance, which are the exact kinds of activities that can help take your head brain to the sweet spot where it's as satisfied as a sea squirt with a mouth full of plankton. All right, quiz time. Question one. What type of water does the sea squirt prefer? Question two. Which two ancient civilizations awarded raisins as sports prizes? Question three. How far can bees fly to make just one kilogram of honey? Question four. What do we call the bacteria that lives in our gut? Question five. What is photosynthesis? Question six. What two types of fruit do Tour de France cyclists have in their packs? Ready for the answers? Here they come. Answer one, cool, shallow water. Answer two, ancient Greeks and Romans. Answer three, three times around the world. Answer four, microbes. Answer five, the process by which plants use the sun to make food. Answer six, bananas and raisins in their bread. Okay, that's all we have time for today. Make sure you check out phenomenon.com.au for videos, more podcast episodes and lesson ideas. And don't forget to tell your teacher. This project has been funded by Hort Innovation using horticulture research and development levies and funds from the Australian Government. Hort Innovation is the grower-owned not-for-profit research and development corporation for Australian horticulture. For more information, visit horticulture.com.au.